Blog Talk Radio. Okay, guys, it is now official. If you want to join us uh, on the live broadcast, you actually can call in the call-in number 213-943-3764. You can join us here on the live broadcast as we talk a little bit about the hidden cost of racial and economic prejudice. Um, one of the things we run into with with, with economic prejudice is that we block people from being able to move up the strata and really be able to better take care of themselves and their family. Um, One of the things that goes on here, and I'm going to pull up here uh, something, I'll pull up a term for you here, a term called redlining. Uh, Redlining is a term that uh, I first heard about when I was in the car business, in the car business for a long time. Um, and matter of fact, still do some uh, some car work, car sales, and leasing now. But one of the things that that was a practice for financial lenders, I'm gonna read the the, the terminology of redline. It says redline is to refuse a loan or insurance to someone because they live in an area deemed to be a poor financial risk. Okay, now you will say, oh brother, well I don't I don't get it. Isn't that um, isn't that something that's okay? Wouldn't you want to know if you're putting money into an area where you may not get the money back? Hey, I get all that, but isn't it a situation where what, I guess my question is, what sense does it make for us to fill out an application for a loan, and we're told that that application is based on our own, yours or I's particular seaworthiness, in other words, our ability to pay, based on our income, based on our previous history. Nobody said anything is going to be based on our uh, or where we live, okay, or uh, what neighborhood we're in. That was not part of the criterion. It said that when you're supposed to get a loan, it's supposed to be based on the fact of, again, what your own personal credit history has been, okay? Now, I'm going to read this article here from something called The Balance. It said redlining, this is, this is 2016. You know, redlining has been against the law for years. So definition redlining is against the law, but that doesn't stop people. It's a discriminatory practice in real estate, typically involving lenders that refuse to lend money or extend credit to borrowers in certain areas of town. These areas are often occupied by people in poverty. It's against the law, okay? It's against the law to discriminate against borrowers based on race or color, among other factors. Redlining became known as such because lenders would draw, in essence, a red line around a neighborhood on a map, and often targeting areas with a high concentration of people of color, and then refusing to lend in those areas because they considered the so-called risk too high. Okay, but I'm going to go back here. Notice that before the whole aspect of risk came up, it said that redlining became known as such because they often targeted areas with a high concentration of people of color, okay? And then they refused to lend them using the, 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 uh, using the excuse the risk was too high. That's what they said. I want to make a quick adjustment here, so just uh, stay with me for just uh, one second here. just want to make a quick adjustment. Hold on.
right. Thanks for bearing with me. I just had to make a quick little adjustment here on my sound. I was getting a lot of echo there in the background. But, um, yeah, just this whole idea of redlining is a practice that, like I said, is against the law, but they still are doing it. I'm going to read this here. This article, again, was written December 28th of last year. It said, even though redlining is now against the law, major lenders today still end up in court over this despicable practice. You might rightfully wonder how is redlining still a thing, Okay. It says the Fair Housing Act is, is contained in the Civil Rights Act of 1968 and was modified by the Fair Housing Amendments Act of 1988. It sets forth seven protected classes of people which cannot be discriminated on based on the color of race, color, religion, national origin, sex, handicap, or uh, family status. Okay? So that means for real estate agents, it's against the law to steer clients to particular neighborhoods, whether deliberately by the agent or by the buyer's personal request. Okay, um, it's it, it just it's not right. And again, if you want to read this article, it's called a website called thebalance.com, where they lay this out. And the reason why I want to try to get to these issues is, man, we have to do better as a nation, as a country, uh, as individuals. We have to, you know, begin to tell look these things in the eye. And really, I got to tell you something. Really, as and I know people talk about the church. Let's just take that word off the, the, the table for a second. As ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to get to the point where we are willing to confront people that we know in our membership who are doing things that are not of God, because racial prejudice is not of God. Okay, I don't care how people have distorted our people who say, well, hey, man, you know, the uh, guys in the Ku Klux Klan were burning crosses and allegedly they were supposed to be Christians. The opposite word is allegedly, because the Bible tells us that you should know, a, the way you know a tree is by the fruit it bears. So if someone is telling you they're a Christian, first of all, what does that mean? Okay, does that mean that you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, or does that mean that you're under some religious banner? Because there's a difference. Because when Jesus was first upon the earth, when he was upon the earth, the followers of Jesus really weren't even called Christians until long after his passing. What they referred to were people we would call followers of that way. Because remember, Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father except he come through me. So the people, the followers of Jesus, we weren't really called Christians. We were called followers or disciples of that way. That's a whole different bargain because, see, if you're a follower of that way, whose way, the way of Jesus Christ, then the Bible makes it plain. It says that you cannot, okay, love God, okay, who you haven't seen, and then hate your neighbor or hate the people on the earth who you have seen. The person that says that is the case, they are lying. So after we, we don't have to get no long discussion. Anybody that is part of a hate group and they say that somehow they have a tie to Jesus Christ, the only tie might be that they know how to pronounce his name properly. But they are not following Jesus Christ. Because, again, the Bible says, if Jesus makes it plain, he says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. What are one of his main commandments? His commandment was to love one another. I'm just saying, guys, I mean, we, we make this thing way, way, way too hard. But that's the hidden cost. And you say, what are, what are those hidden costs? Well, the hidden cost pops up in this way. When you block people from being able to get a home, okay, you block people from being able to move up the economic strata. You also block people from being able to generationally be able to uh, spread wealth to the next generation when you do that. 
or when you block people from insurance, because you know if you if you look the the the, the a, a main way that generational wealth is built and passed on is through ownership of property, through transferring of of, of of insurance policies. When that person passes away, they leave a big lump sum of money. So if you block people from getting insurance, or if you block people from getting real estate, those are the two main areas where people allow or, or move their way up that economic ladder. And what happens when people move the economic ladder? Well, guess what? They take good care of their families. And when someone is taking good care of their families, they're not going to need anybody's assistance. Now, are they? Because they're going to be able to do it themselves. So that's, that's that hidden underneath cost. You wonder why things are dysfunctional. You wonder why sometimes uh, people's lives are dysfunctional, families get dysfunctional. It's because of the fact that we are, this, this hidden racism underneath creates a problem. Another effect of hidden racism, another hidden effect of racism. When, when you, again, supposed to be against the law, profiling people, well, psychologically, what you do is that you create a psychological weight on people. And, you know, I'm not going to kind of just, you know, quote, unquote, cry my beard because I am an African-American male. I'm a little older now, obviously. But I can tell you, and they had this on, on TBN, and I, I thank God that they're finally within, quote, unquote, the body of faith. We're starting to address these issues. And Sammy only addressed it on Martin Luther King, though. That's another issue in its entirety. But they brought out uh, a couple of gentlemen here from the Atlanta area. Uh, one of them I'm, I'm acquainted with. He has a church uh, up in the north part of Atlanta, northern suburbs. Uh, this guy is a, a former military man uh, involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a well-known leader in the community. And he said, he said many times in his life, he has been stopped, he has been profiled uh, by the police. They talked to another well-known pastor, and you guys might know him uh, for his great uh, R&B music. Um, this is how we do it. Montez Jordan is now a pastor. He's been a pastor for several years, but he's a pastor, and his church is located here in the metro Atlanta area. And he talked about the fact that how he would be in position when he saw the blue siren, his heart would race, and his first thought was when he got stopped was, is that, man, I hope I get home. I hope I make it back home. Okay, I don't know if we really think about this, um, but do you know what kind of pressure that puts on a person when they think that the people who have been assigned to them to protect them may in fact take their life for no other reason but the fact that that person who's holding that gun, the person who is the officer, is afraid of them because of their color? Okay, and what that does is it's psychologically, psychologically, it's like a, a, like a, a torture and so people want to get, I'm not making excuse for anybody's bad behavior. I'm not making excuse for anyone uh, that is operating in a dysfunctional way in their family. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to tell you that you have to think that if a man has to walk around thinking his mind that uh, he is a target, then psychologically that's going to wear on him. It's just like, it's almost like a, a mild form of a PTSD because you're on your constant threat of violence. Not only in your community, that's the other bizarre thing. If you're a young African-American man between the age of 25 and 49, the, the stats show that you're more likely to be slain by another African-American man in that, in, that, in that age category. And you said, brother, what does that have to do with, with, with racism? Well, here's the thing. When you constantly put psychological pressure on people, people react poorly. People react poorly. It's a form of oppression. And what it does, it, 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 it over time breaks down the fabric of the society. 
That's one of the hidden costs of racial prejudice. One of the hidden costs that I just mentioned earlier of economic prejudice is, again, you create, you create a, um, a system of dependency, okay, where people don't have the ability to write themselves. They don't have the ability to take care of their own family. They don't have the ability to, to be able to pass on uh, what the next generation needs to be successful in the society. And so what happens? You Again, you create a climate of dependency. And then everybody gets mad. Everybody gets mad and says, oh, well, my tax money is going here or there. Well, here's the realities. Let's just be honest. Our tax dollars go to a lot of things that really don't give us personally any benefit. Let's just be honest. I mean, like I said, we're going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this more on my sports show. But this is the thing. We, we, we allow money to be removed from the public coffers, basically to entertain us. And sometimes we're not the direct benefit of the entertainment. What I mean by that is sometimes we, we pay for money to build a stadium that we can't even afford to go to. I'm just saying, the average person, the average person, because the taxes are taking out everybody's checks, the taxes are being siphoned from everyone. So at the end of the day, someone who is of average means most likely can't go and watch a game at that stadium that basically some of their tax dollars are being pulled towards. So this idea that, okay, well, my tax money being wasted or put aside or whatever have you, hey, man, that's happening every day in ways you don't know. How many times have you seen businesses get tax breaks, okay, with the promise, oh, we're going to bring in jobs, and then half the jobs they promise don't even get delivered? But meanwhile, a small business person who needs a loan uh, to build legitimately uh, uh, hire people and in some cases hire people that may not be hired by a larger company, they can't find the resources. Economic prejudice and what it does is as a society fiber breaks down, it puts more and more stress on everyone. I'm just saying, man, we got we to start looking at this and we as, and I'm saying myself first as a minister of the gospel, we have to do a better job. We have to do a better job of, of really teaching people and especially, I'm just going to shout out here to uh, those of my brethren who might be in suburban churches and many of you who may be overseeing churches that predominantly, you know what? You have to really begin to teach your members what Jesus said. I, let, me, let me go. So you don't think I'm just kind of coming up with some type of, uh, there was a, a terminology for this, they call it, uh, well, unless I'm drawing a blank, but they basically tie in uh, social, they, they tie in social justice agenda to uh, religion. That's all I'm doing here. I'm, I'm going to go and read to you what the Bible says, okay? Once again, I'm going to make an adjustment on this camera because I find myself kind of looking like this. So I'll just move my camera over a little bit to just uh, hang tight with me for just another second while I make the adjustment. There we go. That's a little, that's a little better there. I can at least now kind of not have to move my head back and forth as much here. Um, let's go ahead. I'm going to just grab a Bible and open up my Bible app here online. And speaking of Bible app online, if you want a good Bible app uh, for your phone or otherwise, use uh, uversion.com, a tremendous Bible app. Before I do this, I'm going to go ahead and just give a quick shout-out to those people who have been so kind to log on at least some point uh, to us on Facebook Live. I'm going to give a shout-out to Alfreda McCoy. Capers, I'm going to give a shout out to Eddie Patrick Harris Sr. Uh, shout out to my good friend, uh, Miss Donna Jones. All those people I've seen you log on. I know some other people have logged on as well. Bridget, Bridget Collier has logged on uh, at some point. So we want to give a shout out to him. Emily Bogus, uh, my brother, we want to shout out to him. So all those of you who have been kind enough to log on to us. And of course, everyone watching on YouTube Live as well, we appreciate you 
as well. Um, let's go here and just uh, take a look at what Jesus says about the poor, for example. Let's just read a couple of scriptures. And I've done this before. That's what scripture kind of goes again. This is what it says. It says, Proverbs 22 and 22. Well, that's an interesting number there. It says, Rob not the poor because he is poor. <laughs> Neither press the afflicted in the gate. Okay? It says, Neither shall I countenance a poor man in his cause. Okay? You shouldn't break the guy down when he's trying to, you know, make himself better. You shouldn't do that. It's in the Bible. <laughs> the Bible says. The Bible says again in Exodus 23 and 6. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of the poor in his cause. In other words, the way our legal system works, the more money you have, the better um, protection you have in the law. The Bible just, we just see what the Bible states that that this should not be. These, this is in the Old Testament. Okay, this is before we even get to the New Testament. Okay? Let us read something else here about the poor. Uh, let's see if I can grab something here. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. So you see that anybody that says that somehow, you know, we, we shouldn't take care of poor people and that poor people are lazy and they're bummed, there's nothing wrong. I understand that there are some people that are in a situation because they call the situation, but here's the realities. They got bankruptcy protection for businesses, right? They have bankruptcy protection for people who have money, Correct. So why is it that we get so irritated and so bad out of shape when it comes time to doing people to taking care of people who don't have money? I don't get it. This is not according to what the word of God is saying. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna find some other scriptures for you here. I'm gonna go to the book of Acts because this is about as good as it gets in terms of understanding what the Lord thinks about how we should conduct ourselves with one another. I'm gonna go to the book of Acts, I believe it's the first Chapter and Acts. Let me go back here and just grab this really quickly here in the book of Acts. Bear with me. I pull it up here. And again, we thank God for those of you who are watching us live. And for anybody in the north and southeast, uh, we know it's cold. We know we got some snow. And uh, we hope that you are all uh, safe and sound in your home. <laughs> uh, and that you've already went and, and went to the store and bought like 8,000 pounds of grocery that you bought, you know, eight shopping carts for you know how we do it. We act like we're going to be snowed in. And I just want to give you FYI, if you're in Atlanta area, within two days, the temperature is going to be around 50 degrees. I'm just, just saying. Okay. Just saying. Just pointing that out. All right. Okay. Let's go to the book of Acts here and see if we can grab this here. I believe it's in Acts, the second chapter. Let's go ahead and take a peek at that here. Acts, the second chapter. And scanning down here, and here's what it says in Acts. And we're going to start with verse 14 and the second chapter of Acts. This one says, it says, And with many other words do we testify, speaking of Peter because he's preaching now, and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they added about 3,000 souls. Okay, but this one gets good. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. 
And they continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. And I'll go back to the key verses here. It says, and so the possession. Who sold? People who were wealthy. People who had means sold the possession and goods and parted them, dispersed them, to all men, even as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and eat them meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, you hear people today, one of the things that they, they always kind of throw out, and again, I don't want to make this a political thing because it's got nothing to do it does, but it doesn't. You want to focus on the politics here, where the Democrats are about redistribution of wealth, the Republicans are all about a uh, uh, capitalistic system. Forget all that stuff. All, that's, all those labels are designed to get your eye off the prize. It's designed to get you to not understand it's really about the ec- those a small minority of people at the top of the food chain that want to exert economic control, not only here in the United States, but across the entire world. And oftentimes they will use Christianity and religion as a tool to do this. But as you begin to open your eyes to what the word actually says, according to this, the, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ would, would be considered almost communist because they were telling the people, hey, it's not about what you have. It's not about what, what this person has. It's all about us sharing so everyone has. And in fact, when you talk about selling goods and giving it to someone else, isn't that in fact redistribution of wealth? Uh-oh, so what are you trying to say? If you just said redistribution of wealth, of wealth is incorrect, well, how can the Bible say that's the exact right thing to do because you want to make sure that everybody has a fair amount? The Bible also talks in other places about that everybody had enough and nobody had lack. And in one of the countries in the world, would not it make sense that no one is lacking? I'm just saying, but these are the hidden costs when you have economic prejudice. Hidden costs are racial prejudice. When you create uh, deserts, they call them food deserts in, 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 in the inner city community. Because why? Because stores won't stay there. They talk about a security problem. Um, all types of things. Always an excuse to why they can't serve the community where most of the people are people of color, most of the people are poor. Okay, well, we're getting ready to sign off here for people on the Block Talk Radio only. So if you are trying to call in, uh, the phone line is going to be shut off in just a minute, but we will continue to finish the broadcast here on um, on uh, social media. So we have about another five minutes left, but only about 30 seconds. So if you're trying to squeeze a call in, you better do it right now. The phone line is 4, uh, 213-943-3764. Otherwise, uh, you'll just have to continue to watch us here on the um, social media platform. But again, we have to get to the point where we're actually teaching and preaching the actual truth of the word of God. We can't continue to to put in man's doctrine over the word of God. Okay, We have to preach what the word says. And the word constantly tells us about taking care of people. That's the main thing that, that the Bible says, and this idea that you cannot take care of people, the idea that you will not serve others, is the exact antithesis of what Christ came and died for. I'm just saying. So we need to kind of get this thing straight and understand that the word of God is very, very plain. God is concerned about the poor. Matter of fact, God says this. God said, now this is, this is really unbelievable, that the, that the Father, Yahweh, created the entire 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.